Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Kaiju Kingdom Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Eaton. Today is a uh, bittersweet, sad kind of episode. Uh, for various reasons, we'll get into them in a second. Um, but as you might have listened to the last episode where Jessica and I were talking about the great news of the new Godzilla movie, um, literally a few hours after, or a day or so after that, I was um, I got a call from our guest that's that's sitting with uh, in with us today. Uh, sir, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Mark Hadamia. Joining us once again. You're almost the fifth Beatle of the show now. You realize that? <laughs> yeah. But uh, Mark called me, wow, God, it was like last night, informing me of some very sad news. And I'm just like, oh, we have to talk about this. It's much, much, much like when I called and yelled at Jessica. I was like, we got to talk about the, the new news. We had to talk about this. Uh, unfortunately, Jessica is out of town. She'll be out of town till the end of the year. That's why we recorded that, that episode when we did. Um, Mark has been gracious enough to come in and sit in on this episode to talk about this news. Um, as we record this, uh, it's, uh, you know, I'm just, you know what, Mark, why don't you go ahead and explain what's going on and then, uh, we'll, we'll go from there. Um, I received news from reliable sources Mm -hmm. close to the family. We received word that on Friday, December 5th, uh, special effects director Koichi Kawakita passed away. That, that, that's a tough one to take. Yeah, it was very shocking to me. I mean, uh, he's been doing a lot of appearances here in the U.S. this year. Mm-hmm. In May, he was here for the Godzilla vs. Biollante event in Little Tokyo. Mm-hmm. And he also attended G-Fest in Chicago in July. And those, yeah, two, like, literally, like, eight weeks apart from each other. Yes. And so a lot of American fans got to meet Kalkit again. He had made appearances before, but it had been a while since he had made some in uh, the U.S. And uh, he came twice within a, in a couple of months yeah. to visit fans. And a lot of fans, you know, talked to him, met him. You know. And uh, it's quite shocking because... He seemed very healthy. He's, we don't know the details of uh, what happened yet. Mm-hmm. All we know is that uh, we've we lost a giant. We've lost a great man. Yeah, so uh, pretty much this, I mean, how, how would you put the, put this in words? This is essentially, I mean, Super Eye, obviously, he's, he's always going to be the man. He's one of the Elite Four. Yes. But Kawakita pretty much ushered in the Renaissance, if you will. Yeah, because you know you had other special effects directors doing Terry Shinakano, but you know Kawakita is the one who kind of uh, established a new dynasty during the Heisei area. You know he did uh, work on a lot of the late Showa period uh, films, and also um, a lot of the television shows, the various Ultraman shows he worked on. Uh, a couple of the ultra shows and also on zone fighter. Yeah. For those, I mean, for those who aren't in the know, um, so we haven't covered zone fighter too much on this show yet. And I know we have a, a few listeners who are still kind of new to the, to the, to the community zone. Yeah. Uh, zone fighter was pretty much Toho's answer to the Ultraman craze. And they included not only several Godzilla characters, including Gigan and King Ghidorah, but they also included many episodes of Godzilla himself, just, Teaming up with uh, the title character Zone Fighter and 
taking on monsters. It was it's actually a really awesome uh, show if you if you can find clips of it on uh, YouTube. But uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, if you watch those. It's pretty much they're they're like small. I mean, the equivalent I can put them is that they're they're in, they're in the era of uh, Gigan and Megalon. So the effects are kind of on par with those to to an extent. Yeah, the Zone Fighter it was made uh, you know right before. Uh, Godzilla versus Megalon. Mm -hmm. So it's in the period when Toho didn't have a lot of money to work with. Mm -hmm. However, though, I mean, they more, they made up with it with creativity. Oh yes, oh, most definitely. Yeah, a lot of the monsters look ridiculous, mm -hmm. but you know, but Gigan appeared in it, and King Ghidra appeared in it. Uh, the, you know, the Gigan suit and the King Ghidra suit looked a little worse for wear because yeah. you're playing off of Godzilla versus Gigan. But you know, they, they were exciting episodes, mm -hmm. and um, you know, Kawakita had a lot to do with that. You know. He, it, I find it um, very ironic that this happened during the same weekend that they announced that Toho would be producing another Godzilla film. Yeah, that's the thing that blew me away, too. Yeah, I mean, and not only that, but like you said, the, the previous, uh, another previous announcement was that uh, the Godzilla game would be being released here in the U.S. Yeah. for PS3 and PS4. So there's been a lot of good news this week for for Godzilla fans, but unfortunately, this is the other shoe that's dropped, and it's it's something major, and it it kind of just casts a pall over everything. Yeah, it does. It's it literally is. I mean, uh, if you want to put it in pop culture terms, this is kind of the Bundy curse. You have all this good stuff coming up, and then bam, something really bad happens, and just rains on the parade. Yeah. I mean, um. As you mentioned, he was just out here in May. I was out at that Bailani screening. Uh, I have a video of it. I, I posted uh, up on our uh, on our site. I'll have it in the show notes for this one. But yeah, yeah. if you look at the dude, he was in like perfect Like he was in great shape for a man of his age. Let's just put it that way. Yes, and one one of the other sad details of it is uh, uh, December fifth. Uh, he died on his birthday. He had just turned seventy two. Yeah, there's there's something that's horribly ironic, but there's also something poetic about that too. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah, and again, we don't. I mean, there's not too many details. I mean, um, as we're talking about this, the the family hasn't released any information yet, and that's kind yeah. of what we're waiting on. So. Yeah, this this won't be put online until after. Yeah. yeah. The announcement is made. But we kind of uh, we've. Just the, the timing of everything and the way things have been working out with the holiday, uh, we wanted to get something out, you know, have something set and ready to go. So we're we're waiting, you know, as you're listening to this, you probably have already come in and heard about it. So, but uh, let's uh, let, let's go over and talk about the man's obvious, you know, career. I mean, while we're at it, let's let's delve into that. Yeah, I mean, like we said, you know, he started off with a lot of. Uh you know, work behind the scenes. He put in his dues. He learned under the masters. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's... Um, everything led up to his the work usually known for up through the Heisei series of uh, Godzilla. And um, But not only that, after he... After the Heisei series was over, he still uh, did work. He, he worked on uh, some television shows such as uh, Caesar X and uh, Just Arisers. Uh, those are things that uh, I think a lot of hardcore fans have heard of, but uh, most of us haven't really seen them. Yeah, I believe, uh, there's probably some episodes on YouTube, but you know they were they were very uh, they were very well done, mm -hmm. and that that's one thing about Kawakita. 
you know, he really continued the traditional tokusatsu spirit. You know, you didn't see uh, CGI even in, in the later things. I mean, it, it was he used the same techniques as all you know as the Showa. Yeah. Films. And and um, I hope it's I hope I'm wrong, but you know, I really hope that uh, traditional tokusatsu does not die with Mr. Kawakita. Yeah, that's. I mean, that I mean, that was brought up with the announcement of the new Godzilla movie. I mean, Toho themselves even said we're not sure what direction we're going right now. Um, I mean, I brought up the point that uh, Japanese CG effects have not reached a point where they're on par with American effects at all. But yeah. part of part of it is just it's a budget thing. I mean, literally, Japan spends. You know, I think some of their highest budget films are like fifteen, twenty million dollars. That's nothing out here. Yeah, they're not going to spend $150 million on a Godzilla film. Part of it is because their box office does not have the same return that ours does. I mean, a movie that does $8 million over a weekend, that's huge. You know, their average movies do, I think, between three to four. Like, like that's a good opening for a film. I think a Miyazaki movie is the only only exception where literally every every man, woman, and child in Japan comes out to watch those things. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, because, you know... All we have is an announcement of a new Godzilla film. So, you know, Toho themselves has not decided in what direction they're going to go in. I mean, and they've only given us uh, the year, 2016. Yeah. If uh, the film is released during the traditional times a Godzilla film was released, which is the end of the year, mm-hmm. we're not seeing it for two years. Yeah. So, um, you know, and I'm really hoping that they take that time to, um, you know, to really refine the film, you know, work on the sets, work on the special effects, take their time with it and not be rushed. Because mm-hmm. we've seen uh, how, how well the films can turn out if they're not uh, you know, pumping, them, pump, pumping them out every year. Yeah. I mean, uh, probably some of the better examples that, you know, um, it, like I think GMK is probably the best example of, you know, where a little time and quality was taken care of. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if you look at, I mean, I, I mentioned this, I, I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast or who I was talking to someone else, but I was I brought up um, that, you know, while everyone knows the Heisei films and they hold them, you know, a lot, my generation holds those dear. Like, that, those are the movies we grew up on. I mean, I was a kid when, you know, uh, I, was, I was nine years old when, or eight years old when King Ghidorah came out and seeing the clip of it on a, a local news channel out here because of the controversy around it. Yeah. In my mind, I'm like, I have no idea because before the internet, 1991, no one knew what the hell was going on. Yeah. And seeing that stuff, I'm like, oh my, wait, what? So it wasn't until my dad, you know, started giving, you know, bringing in all these, you know, like effects magazines and stuff. And that's where, you know, then I would discover G-Fan and that's how I would keep up with, you know, the yearly Godzilla movie that, you know, it was, you know, that's where, you know, it came in and that was all under Kawakita's run. So each year was seeing, okay, what are they doing next? So from yeah. you know, Mothra is where I came in under G-Fan, and then it was Mecha Godzilla too. Oh, my God. And then it was Space Godzilla, and then it was Destroyer, and then so on and so forth. And then that's, you know, you, that ball can stop. And every December, it was, you know, it was like, okay, so, you know, the, the first reviews are out. The next issue, G-Fan will have it. And then, yeah. God willing, a bootlegger has it by Comic-Con. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this was this was before they were releasing them here. It was it was years before they were released domestically. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I, I knew about Godzilla King Ghidorah when they were making it. Uh, Mark Alight actually 
reported on it. That was the only English language publication. I think they were the first ones to report on it. And I think Oriental Cinema had said something about it as well. But um, uh, personally, I would go to the uh, Japanese bookstores in Little Tokyo and I would get the um, uh, the children's magazines, uh, Terebi Kun, Terebi Rando, uh, Terebi Magazine. Those would come out every month. You know, and they're totally aimed toward kids. They're very colorful, had a lot of photos, mostly of the TV shows and toys. And they, they would come with little uh, uh, inserts of like things you could punch out and make, little robots and things like that. But they always had, they were the first to have the news of the latest films coming out, be it Godzilla films or you know, the later Heisei Gamera films. That would be the first place you would see um, photographs. And then maybe a few weeks later, you know, B Club would come out with some photos or something. But Terebiranda would be, or Terebikun would always have the first photographs. And that's when I first saw, you know, the first photos of Mecha King Ghidra. And I was very excited about that. You know, and, cause, and then um, the first time I actually saw the film, I was quite surprised. Um, it, within a week of its Japanese premiere, uh, I happened to be at Little Tokyo in December Christmas shopping, and I was at the uh, Pony Toys, Pony Toy Go Round, the old Japanese toy store that used to be in the mall on 3rd Street. <clears throat> and I was a regular there. I was there practically every week. And they had like these TVs uh, mounted up, and they would show, you know, like episodes of Ultraman and, and things, you know, just to kind of spice things up. And uh, I had bought a book the previous month uh, on Godzilla's King Ghidorah. And so I was, you know, of course I poured over it and I studied it. And so I was very aware of a lot of the, what the scenes were going to look like. And I see the scene of Emmy with the Dorats. And I thought, oh my gosh, I go, this is from Godzilla versus King Ghidorah, the new one. I thought it was a preview. And I was watching it, and then, lo and behold, it's subtitled in English, which I was not expecting at all. And I thought, this preview's in English, and I'm standing there, and the preview's not ending. <laughs> it's, it was the entire film. I, I caught it from that point. Uh, apparently what happened is Toho did make a subtitled copy that they sent to, I believe, uh, one of the local like, Japanese papers or something. And, of course, a copy was made, and it got out, and it was bootlegged. Oh, I, there's, there's something glorious and missing about those old days when it's just like, hey, I got a VHS tape, I got two VCRs, I'll make you a copy. Yeah, but, you know, at that point, it was just out. So <laughs> I, was, I, I stood there and watched the entire film, and I was blown away by it, and... And immediately I went in and offered to buy the videotape off the guy. I even offered them like $120, which is everything I had in my pocket at the time. But they, you know, they were cool about it. Oh, no, we can't do that. Okay, I understand. Now, picked it up a few months later at the convention. But yeah. <laughs> uh, I remember the first time I saw it because I'd seen Biolante already. Mm -hmm. And even though I love the fact that Godzilla had returned, you know, after the 84 one, it took a few years. Yeah. Uh, there was something about Biolanti. It was very drama heavy, mm -hmm. you know. I and you know I love the design of the creature, but I felt there wasn't enough of the monster action. You know, the the end fight ends pretty quickly. Yeah, you know, and it didn't feel like the old films. When I first saw Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah, to me, it felt like the Showa series again. Mm -hmm. You know, you had a pretty engaging story, and there was a lot of action in it. And to me, it felt like a return to form. And I, I was very happy to see that, and uh, it, it was great. And then at the, at the end of the, 
when I did finally get a copy of the tape for myself, um, I noticed after the credits, there was uh, a slide that faded in. And I recognized, I knew enough Japanese to recognize it. You know, next year, Godzilla versus Mothra. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was like, my God, they're, they're making them on a regular basis again. Mothra yeah. coming back. So, you know, and th- that was, you know, the beginning of, you know, Kalakita's era. And... Well, I mean, the, the next th- those next three films after King Ghidra, Mothra, and Mechagodzilla, I think those are the epitome of that series. I mean, those pretty much yes. define the show, the, the the Heisei series. Yes, you know, uh, yeah. I mean, Space Godzilla has its, its issues, but yeah. yeah, those three, yeah, those brought back established characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, after Byline T, you know, they wanted to bring back classic characters, and those three managed that. You know, Mechagodzilla had a total redesign. Oh yeah, and it was it was a great movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, Mechagodzilla is probably my favorite out of that entire, that entire that, that entire series. That's the one that for me that stands out the most. Yeah, you know, uh, it's funny because Mr. Kalakita, his favorite was Destroyer, Godzilla vs. Destroyer, because um, when the the Anime Jungle event happened in May, um, Tetsushiota, the owner, uh, he wanted to show Godzilla vs. Biollante because I had told him. You know, that's the one film that even fans who go to all of the screenings at uh, movie theaters, mm-hmm. that's the one film that hasn't been shown in movie theaters. So if if, if you show that at the Aratani, you'll get a good crowd. And that's and uh, Mr. Kawakita, he had contacted Tetsu uh, the prior year asking, hey, you know, I'd like to come down. So... Tetsu thought this would be great to you know build an event around Mr. Kawakita, and uh, that's how it started. And you know, Mr. Kawakita was brought over, and uh, they got the license to show Godzilla vs. Biollante on the big screen over there. And um, that summer, it became very popular because I think uh, a month or two later, up in the Bay Area, uh, Bay Area film events had a their Godzilla Night Three which they also showed Godzilla vs. Biollante. And um, I think G-Fest was going to follow suit because Kalakita was announced as a guest. Mm-hmm. But Kalakita uh, spoke with uh, the powers that be at G-Fest and told them, I would prefer that you show Godzilla vs. Destroyer. Mm-hmm. Kalakita, he, he did say it at the uh, Anime Jungle event, of all his Godzilla films, that one is his favorite. So. That's interesting because it's that's that's one that has a little bit of division among some fans. Yeah, but you know, I mean, it, it does bring the Heisei series to a good end. I mean, it's it's very it's a very um, emotional film because mm-hmm. you know, despite whatever people have to say about it or whatever criticisms, you know, fans of Godzilla can't deny. You watch that final scene, mm-hmm. especially with Ifukube's original score uh, with the, with the Requiem. Yeah, uh, it's very disturbing and it's very sad to see him die it is very powerful i mean for for the time i mean the the effects of him melting down and just yes the way it was done it was done masterfully yeah that was that was one of the very few um examples of cgi in the heisei godzilla series was the meltdown Mm -hmm. and in 95 still i mean if way in the pants because again we weren't even american films were just barely edging into that that cg era yeah, because that—I mean—that was only two years removed from Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. 
So I mean, it it it, it that scene that scene does hold up very well to this day. I mean, even, I mean, a lot of people love. It, say what you will about the film, but at least the mon- the monster designs are, are strikingly unique. Yes. I mean, Destroyer looks like literally like kind of some sort of hell beast. It, it, he stands out from pretty much not. Bylanding and Destroyer. If one thing you'll see about uh, under Calculus run, he he brought in some very unique looking new monsters to add to the roster. Bylanding is is you know an, ins- <laughs> an insane creation, and Destroyer is very much in, in that in that same in, yeah same well, temple. exactly you know but you know De- uh, Destroyer was made by uh, Shinichi Wakasa. Mm-hmm. Bylanding was made by Fuyuki Shinada. Mm-hmm. Uh, but an interesting thing about. Uh, the Heisei films and uh, under Kawakita's direction, Kawakita loved uh, different phases of, of, of the monsters. Every, practically every one of the Heisei monsters or the Heisei opponents mm-hmm. have, you know, they have multiple phases they go through. They, they, they transform. Mm-hmm. So Violantes begins as the, the rose phase and ends up as the big monster. King Ghidra starts out as King Ghidra and becomes Mecha King Ghidra. You know, of course, Mothra from the larva to the, the flying version. Same and, with Batra. Same with Batra. Uh, Mecha Godzilla, you know, he joins with Garuda, becomes Super Mecha Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Uh, Even Rodan gets an upgrade. Yeah, yeah. Rodan and Fire Rodan. Yeah. Uh, Space Godzilla had his flying form. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then, of course, uh, Kalakita had brought back Mongera. Yeah. And Mongera uh, had that feature where he broke into two different uh, vehicles. Mm-hmm. You know that was originally supposed to happen with uh, Mechagodzilla. Uh, in some of the uh, Japanese books, they show the the original design sketches. And uh, you've seen the, the artwork poster for Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla that shows the Rodan holding the egg. Yes, the Mechagodzilla in that looks quite different. If you look closely, he has wings, mm-hmm. and at the bottom you see. Um, uh, like a, a tank version, uh, he was supposed to break into you know a tank and uh, some kind of flying vehicle. So that I- idea was originally made for Mechagodzilla, but when they scrapped that, they revived it when they brought back Mogera. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Destroyer goes through multiple forms. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's got like five it, different forms. Yeah, crawling the small crawling version, the big crawling version, the flying version, then finally the final form. It, he, in many ways, he truly was the uh, the smog monster of the Heisei series. Yes, yes. And you know, and also you know, uh, Kawakita, he loved Mecha. I mean, one of another one of his favorites was Gunhead. Yeah, that was uh, one of his first big projects. You know, in, in the Heisei area, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, it came out right around the same time as Bylanti, I believe. And uh, uh, from what what I've read. Uh, the story was originally conceived as a story for Godzilla, but they got got rid of Godzilla and just made it, you know, a straight science fiction film. Mm-hmm. But you know, uh, also in every one of the Heisei films is some sort of mecha. Mm-hmm. There were three different versions, of, well, no, two different versions of the Super X brought back from the '84 Godzilla. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, Kawakita, he, he was known to love mecha. Well, I mean, the I mean, under his uh, rule, they introduced the Mazer Jets. Yes, which were which were one of the most awesome things I've ever seen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was. So I mean, the Heisei era really stands out because mm-hmm. you know a lot of, as one of the distinctive eras. I mean, because the when the Millennium film started up, you know, it was completely different. Um, you know, 
each one of those was a direct sequel to the original Godzilla film. Yeah. Just like a allowing each director to have their own spin mm-hmm. story. No, whereas the Heisei films were one big saga with the same characters. It's, yeah, very much it was. I mean, that it's. I mean, they it, as I brought up before, you know, Godzilla did what Marvel's doing today, long before Marvel ever did it. Yes. Yes. And uh, I mean, yeah, if you watch everything from I mean, eighty eighty four essentially restarts the series. And then going on, I mean, if you can wade through the time travel, you know, conundrum of King Ghidra, everything else falls into place very nicely. Yes, yes. Yeah, and they and they, and they refer to the the films. It's not just you know, Miki Sagusa's uh, character in all the films, but you know, a lot of characters come back, and they refer to the films before. Mm-hmm. I mean, Me- Mecha Godzilla is made from using the technology from Mecha King Ghidra. Mm-hmm. You know, when they explain Space Godzilla, they they refer back to Biolanti. Yeah, or Mothra, too. They're like, or, when they're Mothra. trying to figure out how the cells got into space, they're yeah. like either Mothra or Biolanti. Those are the only yeah. two ways. Yeah, well, also in King Ghidra, when they track down Godzilla in the ocean, mm-hmm. Mickey Sagusa says, no, he was tracked there after his fight with Biolanti. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting to see, you know, them making one big connective story at that time. Which is really bold, because they went one, two, three, four, five, six, like seven movies deep with that. Mm-hmm. Which, which, you know, nowadays, yeah, now that's becoming the norm, but back then, like, no one else would really touch that. Like, you know, no other should be like, we can't keep, like, we can't make a movie series into what is essentially, you know, have the continuity of a TV series. I mean, it was, it was, it wasn't tight, but it was there. I mean, it was, it wasn't just loose. It was very, it was very, uh, it was very interweaved. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, and they have, like you said, seven movies, even... But no, before Biolanti, you no, know, Biolanti was a direct sequel to God, you know, the '84 Godzilla. It mm-hmm. begins showing scenes from '84 Godzilla, and the the events are a direct result of Godzilla's rampage during the '84 film. And then uh, Gunhead, which those which those who haven't seen Gunhead because it's not as widely available right now as it was maybe about like ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Why don't you give people like a quick rundown of what Gunhead is? Gunhead, it's a story of. Uh, <clears throat> takes place in the future. It's, it's kind of Terminator-esque. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's an automated island called 8JO, and they produce robots. It's basically robots making robots. It's a you know, very advanced system. And uh, it's run by a supercomputer called Chiron 5, which has an artificial intelligence. And, uh, and it's, the island is this huge mechanical complex, and uh, as it's making the robots, it AJ, uh, on AJO, Chiron 5 decides that humanity is no longer necessary. So the, the few human caretakers in the island are wiped out, and then Chiron 5 uh, declares war on humanity. So the, the world military sends in uh, gunhead battalions, which gunheads, which are, uh, stands for gun unit heavy elimination device. They're basically transforming robot tanks. <laughs> and so they said that with a bunch of soldiers with these transforming robot tanks, and uh, they start you know, trying to knock out Chiron 5, the, the main computer. Mm-hmm. Uh, they fail at it. The, the, the battalions are wiped out. And uh, the island is just left alone in the Pacific for years. And uh, what happens is uh, a group of uh, basically pirates, treasure hunters, they land on AJO looking for... Uh, plastic and computer chips because those are very they're worth a lot of money 
So they're going to look for all this stuff so they can sell it on the black market. And, of course, they land on there, and the robots are still alive and well, and they, um, they hunt, they're hunted down one by one. And uh, they end up, some of the members of the, of the group uh, end up finding uh, one, of the, one of the broken gunhead tanks, and they rebuild it and use it to try to get off the island alive. It's it's literally a, a, like an '80s anime come to life. Yeah, it is yeah. very much that. Yeah, there there was a, a manga tie-in mm -hmm. that that actually was released here in the U.S. And uh, but it, it's it's yeah, it's really good. It's it's really uh, I, I think it was successful at making a live-action version of like a manga yeah. or an anime. Well, very much like all the characters are dressed like like a lot like a lot of. Um... Like the more uh, sci-fi mangas of of that time, there's there's a definite look, and the movie does hold up very well. I mean, um, it, it's it's just, it feels very like you said it is very Terminator-ish. Uh, it does it has it feels a little more to me akin to RoboCop in in look than uh, than like than I would say Terminator. Yeah. But, it, but yeah, you watch it and there's just it's the production design is just a, a massive all the way through it. Yeah, and they were—I think they were really trying to push that for an international release because it had an international cast, mm -hmm. and a, a lot of the dialogue is in English. Yeah, which you know, you, the I think ADV have put it out. Um, yeah, out here, and yeah, yeah it's it's most, most. I mean, like, there's very little dubbing done for it too. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 You're. I'm looking at the IMD right now. Yeah, most like half the cast is American. Yeah, yeah, because the, the main character Brooklyn, and um, and Seven and Eleven, uh, the two kids. I mean, they speak Japanese, mm -hmm. and uh, but a lot of the, the other crew of the of the plane, and also uh, uh, Boncho, the 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 head of the group, who's played by Mickey Curtis. He speaks mostly English. Yeah. Now, only when addressing Brooklyn does he speak Japanese. When he speaks to everyone else, he's speaking them in English. Yeah, it's pretty, it's akin. Uh, the only other thing I can compare it to is when uh, Takashi Miike made uh, Sukiyaki Western Django, and that was all shot in English as well, using like it's a mostly uh, Japanese cast. But you know, he's like he had Quentin Tarantino and a few other folk in that film. But yeah, it's it does feel like it was like this was you know the Toho really wanted to kind of break into like a bigger international market with this. Yeah, and you know, it, and it was it was. Uh... You know, made in '89, so I guess uh, it really didn't get too much attention. But yeah. you know, in, in hindsight, you know, it's one of those things that you can revisit, and you know, it's, it's kind of forgotten. You know, since there's been so many films since then. Mm -hmm. You know, and we're talking about you know other more of Kawakita's early works. You know, he also was a special effects supervisor on Ultraman '80. I which, the irony on that too. Yeah, which just which just went up on Crunchyroll. Mm -hmm. Uh, the entire series with English subtitles. It's, it's never been officially available before with English subtitles. There have been fan subs, but uh, for those of you who have Crunchyroll, it's on there. In yeah. addition to Ultraman Leo and... Uh, which uh, he also worked on, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which uh, I'm in the middle of Leo. Leo is awesome if you've never seen Leo. Like, I'm like, like I'm 12, 14 episodes in, and it is fantastic. Yeah, Ultra, Ultraman Leo is is incredible. It's it's it was one of the last of the TV series made before uh, the appearance groups had a crackdown on uh, children's television in Japan about all the violence. 
because Ultraman Leo is like one of the prime examples, along with uh, uh, of the, of the various common writer shows of the period. And also, there's a another show called Wild Seven, which is amazingly violent for a children's television show. <laughs> People were being gunned down, and they'd be laughing about it. <laughs> it's it, it's an insane show, but uh, yeah, he worked on Ultraman eighty also. Um, an interesting thing, he he also worked on uh, Mighty Peking Man, aka Goliathon. Really? Yeah, he was a special effects assistant on there because uh, the, the Shaw brothers, you know, because they made that film along with Inframan, mm-hmm. but they brought over special effects crews from Japan. Mm-hmm. You know, since they had a lot of experience doing things like that, you know, and those were two of the Shaw brothers' attempts at science fiction. That, they, they, I think there was also a Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, which had like science fiction uh, uh, segments within the film. But I mean, those are the two that, even to this day, they're very popular among uh, Tokusatsu and Kaiju fans. Uh, wow! I, I, that you see now, I've learned something. I didn't even know that. Like I've seen Mighty Peking Man a bunch of times. I had no idea he was he was involved in any way in that. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, you know, his his. Uh, his legacy is far-reaching. Mm-hmm. You know, if you go to the IMDb page online and you type in Koichi Kawakita's name, you know, you look at the various projects he's been involved in, and they're all over the place. And and that's just what's on there. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure there's probably a lot of things he wasn't credited with, or things that haven't been added, you know, to the page. Well, I mean, I'm look where I know what I'm looking at. I mean, he was apparently an assistant optical technician, I guess, when he's cutting his teeth on Gorath. Mm-hmm. Uh, worked on Ultraman Returns. I mean, like, it looks like he was hopping between Subaraya and Toho a lot. And uh, he was an assistant uh, effects director on the original Mechagodzilla. Which, you watch that movie, that, that movie's... Um, yeah, that's your favorite film. Unbelievably amazing. <laughs> I love everything about that, the story. But the most of all, just the way... Just the way the effects were done in that movie. Just the, the Mechagodzilla has an awesome design. It, yeah. it doesn't move like a robot. It moves. I mean, it has robotic movements, but it moves like something else. Yes. Everything yeah. is violent. Like there's like literally there's the one of the best shots is when uh, like it's midway through the three way fight and Godzilla and King Eater are starting to finally turn the tide against Mechagodzilla, and there's that shot where Godzilla's holding Mechagodzilla and, and King Caesar just shoulder tackles and slashes Mechagodzilla. It's fun. It's like this, this is an awesome violent move. And they just cut away to a shot of the girl just turning in terror. She can't she can't handle what's going on on screen. Yeah. Uh, that's also the film when the, they gun down uh, the guy escaping with a piece of space titanium, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and his face uh, turns half uh, half eight. Yeah. Which I, I always thought that was a cool effect, too. Like the half, half, half person, half ape look. Um, and then he also worked on uh, Bye Bye Jupiter. Mm-hmm. And then we have uh, what else was here? There's uh, I kind of lost my spot. Okay, so oh, we got Yamato Takira. Yes, Yamato Takira. Yeah, that's that's one of the uh, many different cinematic retellings of uh, you know a Japanese mythology. No, that's based on the, the myth of Susano. It was also kind of Toho's attempt to really to maybe harken back a little bit of like what they were doing in the 60s and 70s and kind of do some other effects, you know, films outside of the Godzilla series. Yeah, it, it reminded me a lot of uh, The Magic Serpent. Mm-hmm. 
now, which is a, which in itself is based on, on the legend of uh, um, uh, what's his name? <laughs> forgot forgot the, the what it's based on, but it's yeah, that's also uh, um, series. Uh, was it Yamato or was it you think of Goku? No, I'm uh, I was talking about the magic serpent. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, uh, oh yeah, it's based on. Uh, uh, the tale of Jiraiya, mm-hmm. and you know, the, the, and with the the dragon versus the frog, yeah, you know, and that's a very famous tale in Japan. There are even uh, um, kabuki plays and things about it. Mm-hmm. Jiraiya and, versus uh, Uchimaru. Yes, yes, and uh, and uh, it's you know that film. Uh, a lot of people like to argue that it's one of the uh, films that George Lucas. Uh, took elements from for uh, the original Star Wars, but mm-hmm. you know that could always be debated. But anyway, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, that, that was an attempt to bring that back. You know, there was even a Yamato Takeru anime at the time. Really, that I was uh, not aware of. Yeah, I, I've never actually. I've only seen um, some photos of the, of the the characters in magazines. I've never actually seen an episode of it, mm-hmm. but it, it wasn't. Just in name only, it wasn't based on the movie at all. It appeared to have a lot, a lot of like uh, mecha in it. I guess they're kind of going off, uh, you know, the final form of the, you know, the guardian. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, so that, I mean, yeah. pretty much everybody was in, almost everybody that was involved with the Heisei Godzilla series at the time worked on this thing too. Yes. Yes. So. Yeah, and then also, also you know, um, you know, Destroyer was his last film, and like I said, he. Uh, he did a few other uh, work in TV for you know, Grand Sizer and uh, shows like that, and uh, uh, he also he also did some Godzilla work during the Millennium Era, though. Oh, t- are you talking about the Pachinko Machine? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, he, God, he I love that. For the various Godzilla Japanese Pachinko machines, it was mm-hmm. live action footage shot specifically for those. You know where the uh, Millennium Godzilla fights the uh, GMK King Ghidorah, and the Millennium Godzilla fights uh, the Final Wars Gigan. So those those were really cool, and yeah, he was responsible for those. He also did uh, uh, Monster Planet of Godzilla, which was the 3D ride at Sanrio Pearl Land, which was uh, there. Yes, that. yes, which. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, you got footage of that, don't you? Was that that was released yeah. on DVD? Yeah, I, yeah. I looked years for that because I, I there were a couple of books released back in the '90s, and I for years and years, I was looking for footage of that, and then finally I found out that they uh, included it as an extra in the Godzilla Final Box, the DVD box set that came out uh, in uh, 2005, and I bought that box specifically for that bonus disc. <laughs> Yeah, like I got all these movies like four times over, but I'm buying it for for like a 25 minute bonus feature. Yeah, you know, and I'm happy. Mm-hmm. And, and but you no, know, from what I hear, I think that's also being included in. Uh, uh, it's also being included in, in a release coming up for one of the films. I forgot which one. It's not for the uh, legendary film, is it? I I, I don't. The legendary think... film's got that big special edition coming out. In Japan, at least, which blows away our version we got over here. Yeah, it, it might be. Uh, I forgot which one. Yeah, I did see on 
the various news sites, they had a listing of uh, what the extras were going to include. And I was shocked to see that Monster Planet of Godzilla was going to be one of the extras. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, heck, that, that might be worth picking up alone. Because yeah. <clears throat> even though I was happy they did include it, uh, it's not the exact same version that they showed at the amusement park because they did omit Hello Kitty. <laughs> <laughs> Hello Kitty did appear with Mickey Saigusa as one of the uh, 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 people in the control room. <laughs> it's kind of like uh, if you go online and you look at the the you know those ride videos where people just sit there and record you know the rides. Uh, yeah. The Universal Germany tour uh, had a had like a studio tour you could take through. It was on like a little people mover cart, <clears throat> and it was uh, the Gremlins from you know, the movie Gremlins. They were tearing up the entire studio, and every <laughs> you turn every corner inside of every. It, Best way I could describe it, if you've ever been out here to California and you've been to Knott's Berry Farm back in the day when Kingdom of the Dinosaurs was open, and you go into that first room and there was the, the mechanical uh, old professor screaming, no, you're turn around, you'll go back in time. Kind of that the whole thing where it looked like there was a screw ready to pop out of his eye and stuff like that. They had that, but with Alf interacting with Gizmo for some unknown reason in this ride. And that's, you know, that's it's, it's a situation it's like, why is this here? Why Why is, you know, it's like, I understand the Gremlins thing because you go through various, they go through like a Jaws set and a King Kong set and all these other universal things. But for some reason, because I looked into it, I guess because ALF is just that damn popular over there. Yeah. That, you know, they're just like, hey, let's throw a mechanical ALF in here too, just for the hell of it. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I, know, I, I totally forgot about that, the King of the Dinosaurs ride at Knott's Berry Farm. I miss it so much. It was a lame ride, but it was a favorite of mine as a, as a child because the once you get to the dinosaur part, like the dinosaurs have actually come close to you, and uh. Knott's did a fairly decent job of keeping those things up. Like, the rest of the ride was falling apart. Like, the other, like, because you would go backward, you keep going further and further in time as you, as you went, and uh, uh, you would go through like different periods. Like you go through like the Ice Age, and there'd be a woolly mammoth and stuff like that. But when you get to the dinosaur part, it was odd. the T Rex would come right over you as he was fighting a, a Triceratops, and they had this, it had a, a Tranodon flying around, and bright. Oh, it was great. It was everything that I kind of wish they would have done for the Jurassic Park ride. But, you know, that was more about the big drop in the scares. This was just like, hey, it's, you know, 104 degrees out in Buena Park on the middle of a July. Hop on this ride. It's AC. It takes about 20 minutes. You can cool off and, you know, just relax for a minute. Did, did that come around Did that come out around the time Jurassic Park was released? It cut off, I think, around 2001, I believe. I want to oh, say. Oh, that, that much later. Okay, yeah. yeah. It was I, still going for a while. I believe about 2000. Because I had to pass towards the end of high school, and that's about the time they start boarding that thing up. It's The, the whole structure is still there, as far as I know. Yeah, I haven't been in Osprey Farm since, like, 1987. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a much different place. I literally, It's literally, like, like five minutes from my – I drive by it all the time. But it's just, yeah. like, I haven't been in there in years. Part of it is just my walk of shame because of how fat I've gotten. It's just like, oh, <laughs> do I really want to go do that again? No, <laughs> no, I don't. Because you literally – I mean, not, not to get off, you know, on topic, but literally one of the worst pictures of me ever taken was the time I had to get into the back – or fat people see on Ghost Rider, and my buddy took a picture of me coming in, and it was just like my hair is all whipped, my guts hanging out. I was much heavier then than I was now, sadly too. And it was just like, ooh, I gotta make some changes. This is not good. Oh man. 
but, uh, uh, well, what, uh, do you, I mean, are, what do you have, I mean, do you know what, uh, uh, Mr. Kawakita has done in his later, in the later years, you know, uh, at, yeah, post uh, yeah, he founded, uh, his company, Dream Planet Japan, mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, Dream Planet Japan, uh, I believe he started that in 2003, mm-hmm. and, uh, they've been responsible for, uh, a lot of the, uh, later productions, television productions like Caesar X, and uh, but also they've expanded into merchandise. Uh, Dream Planet Japan uh, did get licensed from Toho to make Godzilla merchandise, and there's been a lot of uh, there's been quite a few products which I, I think people don't realize were made by them. Uh, one of the most famous being uh, that Godzilla sake bottle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Indian Godzilla sake bottle. Because uh, if you look at the box, it's actually signed by Kawakita. Wow. Yeah, it's you know, and it's a uh, it's a great piece, and and the sake is like really good, <laughs> and uh, also uh, there's the Kawakita masterpiece Godzilla, which is like a, a three foot tall statue. It's like one. It, I mean, that is a high end collectible. I think it goes for around like three grand, mm-hmm. and uh, that was initially based on uh, trying to make a, a recreation of the uh, statue that's in uh, Ginza. Of Godzilla. Oh yeah, yeah the 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 bronze statue that's out there, right? Yeah, the one that's on the pedestal. Yes. Yeah. An interesting thing about that is uh, the idea for uh, to produce a limited edition collectible version of that, and you know we call it the Kalakina masterpiece Godzilla. The idea for that came from Shizuo Nakajima, the director of Wolfman vs. Godzilla, <laughs> because he's he's a he's a consultant. Uh, product development consultant for Dream Planet Japan. And him and Mr. Kawakita have been good friends since they both worked for Toho in the, in the 70s. Mm-hmm. They've known each other for quite a long time. And uh, uh, Mr. Nakajima, he relayed this story to me when they were doing the sculpt of the Kawakita masterpiece Godzilla. You know, they were, they were uh, initially they wanted to make it, you know, an exact replica of the statue. Mm-hmm. But he said that Kawakita himself kept going in while they were making the big clay model and kept altering the face. He wanted to make it different. And they said, well, why are you doing that? He's like, he's like oh, I think it should be this way. And, of course, it's Kawakita, so nobody said anything. But Nakajima, since he's known him for that long, said, why are you doing that? He said, put it back the way it was. And they, they had an argument over it. And <laughs> I think uh, Mr. Kawakita eventually got his way because it's not exactly the same as the statue. That actually stands in Tokyo. Perhaps one of those hardest things where it's like I wasn't completely satisfied the the first time out. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And you know, and you can't blame him. It's his product, his company's putting it out, and his name's on it, the Kawakita masterpiece. So he figures, hey, I'll put my signature signature touch on here. So. Exactly. Now, <laughs> and uh, I mean, now the the big question is, I mean, sadly, I mean, now that sadly he's gone, I mean, what happens to his company? I mean, I guess we'll find out. And then I guess we'll find out because next couple of months. Yeah, I mean, uh, you might want to put in the show notes to a link to the Japanese site. Mm-hmm. They do show a lot of what you know they were working on, and they did put out some of the the books that are that recently come out, like the uh, Godzilla Heisei Perfection book. Oh, which is a beautiful book. Yes, it's wonderful, and uh, some of those limited edition posters that everybody likes mm-hmm. uh, were put out by. Dream Planet Japan. Were those the ones that they were selling at the uh, the yes. jungle event? 
That's yes. Remember, they were very limited edition, and people were like fighting over them. So yes. they had lottery system. Yeah, there was the Jet Jaguar poster, and then there was the that really cool Biolanti poster for some event that happened a couple of years back. Oh, if I wasn't so broke at the time, I would have grabbed them all. Yeah. <sighs> but so, uh, yes. Now, <laughs> sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, the future of the company. I mean, this is breaking news, so we don't know what's going to happen with it. Be very interesting, and because it would have been interesting to see you know, where things would have gone, especially, you know, considering the news that Toho has announced over the uh, the past week, especially with that, I, I've been calling it the Godzilla-sar, but the, the committee that they have formed, you know, pretty much kind of like their own little Marvel think tank. Yeah, it's called Goji-Kon. It's like the Godzilla com Convention or Committee or something. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, you know, some, some you know, married word together like the, like yeah. the Japanese like to do, but... I mean, with, with the fact that Toho is pretty much... Now that they've seen the Legendary film do very well, and people are like, oh, hey, you put a little time and effort into them and don't, you know, aren't just like throwing them at our face every year, yeah, we'll we'll take them back. I think something that a lot of fans... You know, it was a double-edged sword. You either get a movie every year, or you get, you know, one every few years, but you, if you get every few years, you, you get quality. So it was a quantity versus quality thing. I think the quality thing was in is eventually going to win out over everything because if Toho does keep these going hopefully it'll be kind of in tandem with the legendary releases yes so like you know a year and a half in between you know if legendary releases three and then god only knows if they ever go any further with that because we'd like to stay in threes for some reason in this country yeah and, <laughs> and uh, personally i was i was shocked by that announcement because especially, you know, given that the legendary uh, film was a success, mm -hmm. I thought, okay, well, this is, you know, Toho has further reason. Hey, you know, why should we, you know, put in the time and effort to make, make a money? I mean, to make a movie that it, uh, probably probably won't make its money back. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, honestly, I mean, there were, uh, in Japanese box office has not been good. No, since the 90s for the Godzilla films. No, I mean, the best performing film of the uh, the Millennium series was GMK, and part of it was because they threw Hamataro on there. Yes, and then, yeah, they, they said that that was a big reason why. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because I mean, the, the last movie to really be considered a success was Godzilla vs. Mothra, yeah. the 92 version. And then everything else after that was diminishing returns. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you look at that, I mean, Mechagodzilla, then... Well, I think because I th part of the reason they ended was because that's when Sony announced they were going to finally start gearing up theirs. Yeah, because that, that yeah, cause I remember one of the early announcements was, uh, okay, Sony's going to make an American Godzilla film. Mm -hmm. and then Toho said, well, we'll make a Japanese Godzilla film for Japanese consumption. Mm -hmm. But it, that never happened. They ended it with Destroyer. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because, I mean, that, that, this is going back when um, uh, Yanda Bont was supposed to do uh, make the Godzilla versus the Griffin thing. Yeah. And kind of like didn't know that stalled and didn't happen. You know, and in the end, because uh, I know, yeah, I know it was the over um, the, the budget he wanted. Uh, Sony tried to start balked at it and said, there's no way in hell we're giving you $120 million to make a film like that. They ended up spending that amount anyway. I think even more than that for what, uh, no, uh, Devlin and Emmerich. Uh, yeah. The irony. I, th I think it was better of the fact that, uh, Bond had only done Speed. Speed, major success, but, you know, yeah. not billion, you know, not, not like, a, you know, a couple hundred million dollars. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, but then again, they did the same thing. I mean, they handed Devlin and Emmerich Godzilla based on Independence Day. Mm -hmm. You know, and, you know, they thought, oh, well, these are the Wonderkins, and they'll, 
you know, but, but of course, you know, now the 98 Godzilla is like the, you know, <laughs> the, the example of a you know, total Hollywood failure. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, well, I, I find it ironic that literally, you know, um, cause people have been, you know, because people are out of it. The movie, here's the thing. The movie did make money. Yes. And but... it wasn't like, but it was the, fa- it was the first time really you saw, you saw a studio go, well, it made 350, but it did not, cause they had such high expectations for that thing. They were like, this is going to be lost world. This is going to be huge. And then when it didn't do that, they're like, Oh, it's like, well, Hey, it still made a lot of money. It's like, yeah, but it didn't make the money we were expecting, yeah. so they considered it a failure. That's what that's that's been the 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 quote. Even you know, if you read any any, any of the the industry trades, you hear yeah. about most of these big budget movies these days. Yeah, they. I think they've learned their lesson from that because I mean they were really hyping the hell out of that thing. I mean, yeah. remember the advertising campaigns around Los Angeles? Nothing like it ever since either. Yeah, yeah painted on the sides of buildings. No, he is this all and. You know, they sunk a lot of money into that because they were, they were really expecting it to be a huge blockbuster. Mm-hmm. You know, once Advance Word got out, you know, yeah, it's you know wasn't quite what they expected. They expected it to be the king of the summer. They expected it to go like for weeks, and then like it fizzled after like two weeks, and then Armageddon came out, and then that just demolished everything else. Yeah, but you know, it's 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 interesting. So it, it's going to be. Interesting to see where Toho takes the direction of uh, the Godzilla series. I mean, everything's still up in the air. No one knows the, the storyline. No one knows if there's going to be another monster, mm-hmm. or if you know if they are, they're going to use a classic monster or make new ones, or there's going to be a solo Godzilla film. You know, what's the mood of it going to be? What's the design going to be like? Is it going to be at all influenced by the legendary film? Which I hope not, because what would be the point? Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a lot still up in the air, and of course, the, one of the biggest ones, in my opinion, are they going to uh, the special effects? Are they going to go with CGI? Because they did Toho did do a CGI Godzilla in Always Two. Yes, well, that a lot of people have been bringing that up. It's like there, there, there's a lot of fan speculation already that uh, Takashi Yamakaze uh, might be approached to do it. Yeah, uh, I it did swell him. He is a huge Godzilla fan. I mean, he pretty much prompted yeah. Toho to give him. That scene for always uh, something on Third Street too, which for people who don't know, those movies won the Japanese equivalent of the Academy Awards. Yeah, so they're huge films. Yeah, and uh, you know, it, but at this point, it's all just speculation. True. You know, and we're so far away from seeing that. And you know, you know, personally, I have a love for Tokusatsu mm-hmm. traditional, but you know, then again, you know, we have to think realistically and. You know, on a business level and mass marketing, what's going to be more appealing and, and saleable to, you know, the general public, especially if they're trying to get young fans. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it could be argued that a happy medium might be, you know, for example, look at the way the characters look in that new Godzilla video game. Mm-hmm. Imagine if they took those those 3D models and, you know, kind of, you know, worked on the textures and made them appear more realistic and... Uh, Made them move a lot smoother. I mean, it, it would. It would look pretty <laughs> I mean, it would. I mean, uh, I mean, I know parasites being pushed by Toho as a big, like, hey, this is look, like this is where we've come, like Japanese why you know, in the Japanese film industry with with computer effects, and that's one of Yamakazi's as well. That's, I mean, that's his bread and butter is CG effects. Yeah. I mean, if you see Returner, Returner, which was an, it's a, it's a pretty awesome movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that's in 2002 
you know, when that came out, that was like, wait, who, wait, who made this? It's like, yeah, it's a Japanese one. It's like, this looks awesome. Yep. But it was one of those rare things. It was like, okay, here's how the way to do it. And then it's like, well, we could do it cheaper this way. And that's kind of the way the, you know, the industry went. It's never, it's much like when Terminator 2 came out and Jurassic Park came out. They're like, wow, we could do all this stuff. But then they jumped, you know, too, too far into the deep end before they learned how to swim with it, though. You know, if you, if you get what I'm saying. Like yeah. we had, we had, you know, a lot of films that, even today, I mean, it's just, it, it's real hackneyed on some of the stuff that, that that's out there. I mean, you know, there's a lot of stuff that looks good, but the problem is it's become a crutch now, too. I mean, yeah. people argue, I mean, the argument for the the Jurassic World film, where it's like, everyone's like, oh my god, it's LCG. It's like, well, what do you want? You know? <laughs> what do you really want? Can, can you be, can, is there anything that will satisfy you? Yeah, and I do. But, I do feel a mixture. I'm. I, I'm sorry to cut you off. I do feel a mixture of practical and CG. Still, so I think this is because people, uh, filmmakers, have gotten lazy and they don't want to do like what Spielberg did with, with with the first Jurassic Park, which was you know the bigger stuff like the T. There, there's scenes in that T. Rex uh, uh, sequence where it's attacking the uh, the jeeps. Where sometimes you don't even know where, when the hell it's CG and when it's uh, when it's a practical effect. Exactly, you know, and you know, I did mention it on one of the other shows that I appeared on with you. you know, Jurassic Park was made over twenty years ago, and it it still holds up to this day. Man, so, oh my God, does it? I was I was in Best Buy earlier, and they were using uh, the end scene where the T Rex fights off the two Raptors to sell their new Bose sound system, and believe, <laughs> it was awesome. Believe me, I stopped and like, I literally, I'm in the middle of the aisle. I'm just watching. And there's people like I turn around. There's some dude just like, I'm just like. Okay, it's like if it's Jurassic Park. You have to stop. It's like it's like Back to the Future. Whatever you're doing, you stop and you pay attention to what's going on. Yeah. Now, you know we're you know bringing up you know how it's going to be. It's going to be CGI. It's going to be traditional tokusatsu. It's going to be a mix of the two, kind of like the recent Ultraman shows, like a, and or you know some of the new hero movies that have come out. You know, and uh, like uh, like Gavon and Sherbon and all that have come out. And that's no, we we don't know. I guess we'll see. It is. I mean, this literally is. I mean, you could really pinpoint this as a, as as a, a turn as, as yeah. a new chapter in the industry. And if anything, exactly. literally, and we've lost one of the titans of, exactly. of our form. It's it's very fitting. I mean, Toho announces a brand new Godzilla mm-hmm. same weekend. We lost Kawakita. Yeah. And you know, but you know, on the bright side, though, um, as far as preserving traditional tokusatsu you know you, we still have films that are being made right now by Shinpei Hayashiya he's making Deep Sea Monster Raga versus Volcano Monster Oga mm-hmm. and there that he is using suitmation there, there is going to be some CGI in there mm-hmm. but the monster effects are full suitmation because uh, Kotobunji Studios they're making Oga uh, Hayashiya still has the Raga suits but uh, Kotobunji Studios is making the Monster Oga for him. And then also um, Shingo Mayahata, uh, who made Zella Monster Martial Law. Uh, he's currently finishing up his uh, film Gemu, mm-hmm. uh, which I, I was fortunate enough to see footage of when we were in Japan shooting uh, Kaiju Gaiden. And it's, it's pretty amazing. If, if you like uh, the films of... Uh, um, what's his name for the guy who did uh, Zayram? Uh, oh yes, uh, he made um, 
you know, Serum, uh, Moon Over Tau, and the Mechanical yes. Violator Hukider. Yes. Which, oh, man, awesome move. I love, I love that one. I know a lot of people hate it. Like, they're, they're Cyborg 99 yeah. films. Yeah. Keita Amamiya. Yeah, you no, go. His designs are very unique. You know, I know he's done stuff for Garo as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you like those type of designs, you'll will like Genmu. The, uh, the, the creature in Genmu is very, very original design. Mm-hmm. Very disturbing design. <laughs> it's got like a horn coming out of its eye, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and there's like there's like a woman sticking out of him. It, it totally reminds me of something, of something out of Devil Man. Oh God, I love me some Devil Man too. Yeah. So, uh, you know, they they are carrying on that torch, which uh, I fully support. I mean, that's you know the the reason behind you know, the documentary that I'm working on at the time. You no. Know. Which but, uh, well, I mean, you know, to, it, it, as we said, it is. This is pretty much like a turning point in especially in this fandom too i mean yeah um and obviously people are carrying on as you just said i mean can you i mean real quick can you give us you know a little update what's going on with kaiju gaiden you know just kind of spruce things up a little bit oh uh well yeah because last time i spoke to you was before we went to japan right yes i haven't we haven't talked to you since uh you got back (laughs) um yeah we 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 spent 12 days there Mm -hmm. and um it was fantastic it was a dream come true for me i my first time there and I can't imagine a better way to spend my time we met so many people it was it was very overwhelming on certain days I mean we had so many people at the same time to talk to and not enough time but we experienced so much and we talked to a lot of people we actually during when we were at Toho Studios we actually got to get a tour of Toho uh, thanks to Mr. Nakajima we actually ran into Mr. Sakurai, the director of photography, on a lot of the Godzilla films. Uh, Robert Scott Field was with us, and they recognized each other from their work in Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah. Because he heard, Mr. Sakurai heard that we were there on the premises, so he came and talked to us. And we were talking to him for you know, a good 45 minutes, and uh, he let us know that he's currently working with Shinji Higuchi on the live-action Attack on Titan. Yeah, so, of course, uh, David Hall, the director, and Chris Ohulio, our production manager, I mean, they were very excited about it. You know, oh, my God, tell us about it. Oh, I can't tell you much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we got the filming done, the, the bulk of the filming. Uh, got a hold of a lot of uh, actual of the actual movies that we're going to be covering. Mm-hmm. So a lot of footage from those are going to be uh, incorporated into the film, along with the interviews. And uh, there's still a couple of interviews that we still want to get from people stateside. Uh, one of them is, uh, I did put it up on the website a few weeks ago. I met with uh, Don Glute, who I spoke to last year when uh, Kaiju Gaiden was just an idea. Uh, you know, For those who don't know who Don Glute is, he was he's pretty much the father of amateur science fiction films. Back in the 50s... Uh, he would write into Famous Monsters magazine and send them copies of his 8mm films that he started making when he was just a kid. And uh, eventually his techniques got better and better over the years. And even to this day, he, he's a filmmaker. But you know he'll always be remembered as a pioneer uh, in amateur 8mm special effects and monster movies. And uh, so I think he's an authority on, and he, what he has to say, 
he can offer great insight as to how difficult it is, you know, for amateurs, especially on a limited budget, to, to make uh, a special effects film. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Don Glue, we're going to have him, uh, we're going to interview him and have him, you know, offer his insight as part of the film. And there are a couple other names that I can't mention yet because we don't know if we're going to get them. But, you know, when we do confirm it, I'll, you know, you'll definitely be the first to know because it'll be big news. Awesome. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. But, but currently, uh, David Hall and Chris Ovio, along with um, uh, Jesse Verna, they're going through the editing process right now on the East Coast. That's going to take a couple months. But uh, hopefully, we'll have a teaser trailer soon and, you know, to kind of get people excited and show them what they can expect to see from Kaiju Gaiden. And we're, we're shooting for a completion date of March 2015. It sounds. Uh, we. I got to get you back on. So, because what you've told me, you know, off air about your trip to Japan, it warrants a whole episode in the Yeah, show. there were a lot of stories over there. So, yeah, that, that, that's that's a show unto itself. And yeah. I, I would definitely like you know David to be on it too. Oh, so. Definitely, yeah. We got. I'm trying to work a way to get him. And as you said, he's on the East Coast, and uh, yeah. you know, we're all out here in LA. So, yeah. so we'll work. We'll work on that. We'll have a. We'll have a the Gaiden of Kaiju Gaiden. Uh, yeah, next, some early next year, hopefully. But uh, yeah, I mean, wow. I mean, just a, a hell of a week, if anything. Yeah, yeah, and unfortunately, it has to end on a you know a sad note. But... Uh, yeah, I mean, um, it, as you know, as we said, as we're recording this, it's not a lot of people know about it yet. But when people yeah. do, it's going to really hit hard for for, for a yeah. lot of fans. Yeah, this is. I mean, this is definitely. Um a milestone in the history of Japanese science fiction films. Mm-hmm. I mean, truly, I mean, he was, he truly was a Titan there. He was a Titan. He was a great man. He's going to be missed. All right. Well, you know, that's, I think we should, we'll, we'll wrap it up there. Uh, yeah. is, it, it, uh, thanks Mark for coming on. Um, talking about this. If anybody, you're probably the best person to really talk about this more so than, than I and Jessica could ever be. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, for, this podcast was dedicated to the memory of Koichi Kawakita, Director of Special Effects. Sarabakaru Kawakita-san, domarigatou gozaimashita. Can't say it any other way. So, we're going to end on that one. Um, I'm not going to do my usual closeout because it just seemed like just terribly bad taste. So, you know, if you're listening to this, you know where to find us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, just check the show notes for everything. On that note, again, um, Thanks for everyone for listening. Uh, if you know, you know, you know, whatever. If you're a religious person, if you're not, you know, just keep keep the man's family in your thoughts. And uh, on that note, that's going to do it for us for this edition of the Kaiju Kingdom podcast. I want to thank Mark for coming on, and uh, to everyone, have a safe, happy, wonderful Christmas, New Year's, and uh, we'll see you early next year. Bye. Bye.